What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We've Got Mail. This is We've Got Mail, episode 123, which is fun. Stave it off, one, two, three, and now you can count to three. Fine. That's, that's, that's Homestar Runner. That's, oh, okay. That's a Homestar Runner thing. Whitney, Whitney is a big Homestar Runner fan. I saw Homestar Run once. My name is William <laughs> Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. Uh, I, too, am a critic. For the purposes of this particular podcast, you may call me Rockmeister McCool. You Please needn't, mm-hmm. but you may. Again. You only have this one opportunity. I suggest you take it. Uh, and yeah, this is the show where you control the conversation right here at the critically acclaimed network. My name is, uh, I already did that. Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, you can, here's how it works. You can, oh my God. We're leaving it in the show. Here's how it works. You email us. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Or you can write us uh, the old-fashioned way. We have a P.O. box. Winnie, what is our P.O. box? Yeah, send it to uh, the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah, and uh, we answer your letters. We answer your questions. We respond to your criticisms. Uh, we talk about pretty much anything you want because this is your show. As we mentioned on Critically Acclaimed, last week we hit some snafus. We weren't able to release this show and a couple of others. Sorry about that. So we got some catching up to do, and we're just going to jump right in. Mm. And speaking of our P.O. box, we actually had a pretty full P.O. box this week. Yeah, uh, if you send us a letter, it, it like a physical letter, Yeah, chances are higher that we'll read it. Yeah, you, you put uh, in the we, effort. We, uh, we're, we're not getting so many letters in our P.O. box yet. Yeah, it's not like, that, it's not like the end of Miracle on yeah. 34th Street where they're just, just like dumping, d- dumping huge files. We don't have to be selective about those. Yeah, so if you put in the effort to, to send us an actual letter, we're almost definitely going to read it on the air. Unless it's like just nothing but profanity. And even yeah. then, maybe. If, <laughs> you, if you, can't say, you can't promise no. If, it, if it's just a page of creative profanity, we'll read that. Well, it's creative. Anyway, moving on. What, what, what do we uh, got? Well, well we, we got, first of all, we got a gift, which Ooh. was very kind. Um, this one comes from Canadian Keith, and it came with a little note. Uh, it says, uh, WNW, have you, heard, have you seen or heard of this movie? Mm. It was shelved for 40 years. Please look up the cast list. It's bonkers. Hope you can watch it and review this one one day if you have time. P.S. Can Bibbs give a brief review of Marvel's D-plus shows from Canadian Keith? The mm-hmm. film sent in was Grizzly 2 mm-hmm. Revenge. Yeah, so... Not the Revenge. Just Grizzly no. 2 colon Revenge. Uh, I've, I've heard of this movie. This movie is actually spoken of in really hushed tones. Uh, there was a 1970s... Uh, in the 1970s, after Jaws came out, there was this huge a lot spate of, of animal attack, lot movies. of animal attack knockoff movies. We had Piranha, we had Orca, uh, and Day, one of the Day of the animals, yep. beaks, the deadly swarm was part of that. Uh, it was just the swarm, wasn't it? With the one with Michael Caine. Oh, also the swarm. Okay, deadly yeah, swarm is a different movie. But covered yeah. in bees, uh, and one of those films was a film called Grizzly, which honestly I've seen. It's not particularly good. It's as you can imagine, it's about a big <laughs> grizzly bear. Uh, there was a sequel made to Grizzly. I guess it did well enough to warrant one, uh, and uh, for a variety of reasons, it was never officially released. Uh, it sometimes it has shown up on things like uh, YouTube. Uh, and then it gets immediately taken down because people were very cagey about the rights to it. Uh, and then finally, they finally just 
damn release the damn thing. And um, yeah, actually, the cast is nuts. It has uh, Laura Dern, George Clooney, Charlie Sheen. They're in small roles, but they're mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, John Reese Davies, uh, Deborah Foreman, uh, Louise Fletcher. Yeah, uh, yeah, Louise Fletcher, who's the Academy Award winner. Uh, oh, hey, look, Louise Fletcher is in it, and yeah. I'm looking down on the, the cast list. Mark Alimo is also in it. Hey, from Star Trek. Uh, yeah, Louise Fletcher and Mark Alimo played uh, Kai oh, Wynn and Gul Dukat on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. They actually had a lot yeah. of scenes together. Also in the film, Timothy Spall. <laughs> Ian McNeese, who's a very respectable character actor. Charles Cyphers. Like, this is... Like, an absurdly good cast. So, I haven't seen the sequel yet. Thank you for sending it. I will check it out. I am very curious, and it means a lot to me that you would send it to us. Uh, to answer your other question, you asked if I, because I have seen them and I don't think Whitney has, oh uh, could give no. you a quick rundown I, of the Marvel Disney Plus shows. I ain't watching that crap. I don't gotta... Well, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I watch them I because... I watch Moon Knight, so I'm not gonna watch Moon Knight. Hey, listen, you know what? Fair I, you, you don't have to. You don't need to. Uh, they're not. I, there's a couple I really like, but they're not so amazing. I'm telling you, you have to drop everything you're doing. You got to see this damn thing. Mm. So I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna make sure I don't forget one here. Uh, well, there was there was one division. That was well, the first one, right? Well, yes, but like, and then on. there was Loki. Yes, and then I'm, there was uh, Captain America. Whatever that one was, it was kept, it was uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Let that me just one. let me just give them a quick review. Okay, okay so uh, WandaVision is a show uh, that was about how Wanda Maximoff, uh, grieving for the death of the Vision, used her powers to create an alternate, like idyllic utopian reality based on all the sitcoms that she liked growing up. Uh, I really liked that show. I thought it did something really interesting with the superhero format that we hadn't seen before. I think they were really spot on with their sitcom uh, uh, riffs. I thought the mystery was handled reasonably well. Uh, There's some really, really great moments and reveals in it. I'm a little disappointed that the Doctor Strange movie kind of undoes the ending of that show where like she kind of like grows as a person and realizes that she shouldn't be a bad person and then then she has like a book of evil in the movie yeah and she gets a book of evil at the end of the show but like the implication is that she was growing as a person in the movie which is like no she's not but she has a book of evil i know like it's just it's not very well handled um if you've you've grown as a person you don't Keep a book of evil. Well, and you definitely. Yeah, well, in any, I, I think you don't give them a book of evil just to justify them turning evil after the end of mm. six episodes of character development, <laughs> just to neutralize it. So that pissed me off. But I actually think it's a really interesting show, and in a vacuum, it's pretty darn cool. Um, then we had. I might get the order slightly wrong. Then we had Loki. Uh, Loki was about uh, the version of Loki from uh, Avengers Endgame who uh, disappears from the timeline and tries to like start like a new branching timeline. And so turns out there's this organization called the Time Variance Authority. I think okay. I'm getting that right. Uh, and the, basically their whole idea is if anyone tries to fuck with the timeline and create an alternate reality, mm. they put a stop to that. And yeah. they have to basically enlist. It's, it's like 48 hours. They have to use this Loki to capture another Loki who is trying to like mess al- with the timeline. Alternate version of Loki. But the alternate version of Loki is a woman. <laughs> and this the version of Loki that we're, we have, Tom Hiddleston, falls in love with her. Mm. Which is mm. an interesting thread that I really wish they kind of explored just how weird that was. And like how like oh, yeah. there's a lot going on there and they don't yeah, yeah, really have an affair with an alternate version of yourself surely that's just masturbating in a really well, sophisticated reg- kind of a way re- regardless right? of how you want to define it it's the sort of thing that the mcu doesn't really get into very much so like oh, the, there's the, some interesting yeah. stuff there um 
it, there's some really, really... It's basically all a justification for why there's a multiverse now and there didn't used to be. Mm-hmm. It leads to a lot of gigantic plot holes <laughs> uh, in, in like, Endgame in particular and the way time travel worked there and why, why it was okay to use time travel there and why it wasn't. And, oh, well, this is the only way to get a whole bunch of Infinity Stones where there's, like, a throwaway gag where they have tons of alternate reality Infinity Stones just lying around. And I'm like, there's a lot... <laughs> it's just, like, in a drawer somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Literally in a drawer. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> like, he finds all these Infinity like Like, he's just like, oh, well... Wait, are these Infinity Stones? Oh yeah, we got millions of those. They're just lying around. We use them as paperweights. Like that's how powerful they are, which is Jeez. a funny gag, but it kind of undermines a lot of Endgame, doesn't it? Um, so there's stuff I like about it. It's mm. not great, but good character piece. And it's always nice to see Tom Hiddleston cut loose. Uh, what if was a series of animated episodes that oh, basically right. forgot about that one. Back in the Marvel comics, they had a show, a, a series called What If, where, uh, hey, remember that one famous storyline? Well, what if Reed Richards really had died? Or what if Spider-Man all, uh, kept having six arms? You know, that kind of thing. And it's and it, the What If comics were a little frustrating because it was only it only pertained to stories that existed in Marvel comics. Yeah, it was never like, like what, what if Albert Einstein was a vampire? Yeah, like, it's never it, like, it's always, yeah, it was, it it's always any, really nerdy shit. Well, yeah, it wasn't anything, like, super fun. It's yeah. like, well, what if the Hulk had killed Wolverine at this point in Marvel well, history. Well, they did that. Yeah. yeah, they did that. I, I, don't know. I re- read a couple, and they always ended with the world ending. Almost every single one of them ended with a lot of people dying, which yeah. was kind of fun, but it's also, like, it, it gets repetitive after a while, and mm. the show did, too, a little bit. I wasn't a huge fan of the animation style, but a couple of the episodes were neat. Uh, let's you, see here. You pointed out something to me in the What If show, because I didn't watch it, so yeah. you brought this to my attention. Uh, you and I have a, a, a little bit of a beef with uh, the ending of Avengers Endgame. Oh, how, um, yeah, the Thanos how, uh, thing, yeah. We, we've complained that uh, Iron Man, uh, for, a, for a brief moment, had all mm. of like the, the Infinity Stones on his body. Right. And he was able to essentially grant like grant himself whatever any one wish he wanted. Yeah, he's essentially he's an omnipotent god yeah, for, for at for, least one second. For, for like a moment. And yeah. In that moment, he the only thing he thinks to do is like, kill Thanos kill, and kill, all kill a bunch of people on the yeah. on a battlefield. Like, yeah, he could have been beneficent, but instead mm. he chose murder. He, he cho- yeah, he chose murder and Which is like kind of like, not a lot could, of character could, development for him, considering have... he started off realizing that weapons of mass destruction are bad. I mean, they, they these characters knew they were going to have these omnipotent stones. They could do anything. They could rewrite reality however they wanted to. Mm. And the most creative thing they think they could they could think to do was just continue fighting. Yeah, it's really sad, and it's you know morally questionable as well. Yeah, well, and and, and yeah, I've heard people come back at me saying, "Well, there was a scene in an earlier movie where mm-hmm. Doctor Strange, yeah, who can look into look into the future, mm-hmm. uh, said I, I looked to like billion, millions, billions of millions of, of yeah, yeah. Uh, of possibilities, and I found mm-hmm. one, just one, mm-hmm. where we and his word is defeat Thanos." Yeah. So, Doctor Strange is is the psychopath who thinks, oh no, there's only one way to melt everybody on a battlefield. He didn't think of any other solutions. And also, by the way, there are an infinite number of realities out there, so he checked less than 1% of them. Yeah. (laughs) I saw saw 14 billion, really, that's not a lot. It's not, actually. Keep on looking. Yeah, uh, Uh, but so so the idea is, the only way to stop Thanos was, in the end, to kill him and all of his men. mm -hmm. However, in What If, there's there's actually one of the better episodes is actually has Chadwick Boseman Mm -hmm. doing the voice of Black Panther and the gag it was the last thing he did, I think. Wasn't for it? the MCU, anyway. Yeah. Uh, the uh, there was one where, what if instead of picking up Peter Quill uh, at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy, they picked up Black Panther and he became the Star Lord, uh, which uh. is not something that would have happened in any reasonable 
series okay, of events. It's just a what but if. it's just a fun yeah. idea. And the idea is, what if he'd gone to space and wow, things have been different? And it turns out he would have been totally awesome and he would have had a conversation with Thanos and politely convinced him that his ideas were wrong. And so, Thanos realizes that he was mm-hmm. wrong and changes his ways and becomes a good guy. So, so technically, so it, was possible. It, was, <laughs> it was completely possible to come up with a cogent argument to simply get Thanos to quit. Pisses me the fuck off. Uh, nope, nope. Yep. Got it. Got a murder. Got All right. Murder. Um, I'll try to make the rest of these quick because yeah. I got to move on. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was about sort of the legacy of Captain America uh, and who was going to take up his mantle, the Winter Soldier or Falcon or the the U.S. agent played by uh, the great Wyatt Russell, who's a really mm. good actor. Oh, um, what, what, was there a reason why it couldn't have been all of them? That's an did, excellent did they, point that does just, not come up. Did they, they just have like one three, shield and it, that's the only Well, they one do that only counts? have one shield. Well, so what? Make another one. I well, <laughs> they don't actually have all that much vibranium, but regardless. They have a different metal. Well, exactly. Well, here's the thing, the movie the show ends with them doing that, so I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, my point is this. Um they do some decent storytelling work and thematic work with sort of uh, the legacy of how America has treated its soldiers, and particularly how it's treated its soldiers of color, and whenever right, it's doing that, the show it. is quite good, but at, overall, as a program, it was kind of just basically like, and how do we get the Falcon to be Captain America? Well, we'll, we'll yeah, spend six I'm, episodes I'm, doing right. it if like it has done I, it, but... I saw a picture of him in, in like his new Captain America costume. Yeah. It's the dumbest looking thing. It's like not poor, great. Poor Anthony Mackie has to wear that It's now. accurate to the comics. I assume the next time we see him, they will have redesigned it. They kind of like well, because made remember, it look a little bit more like a clothes well often you know they, they do that usually i mean most superhero mm. movies where like the first costume it's like that looks pretty good but we can get that looking a little a little nicer a next time organic, like yeah. so that's fine um hawkeye i really liked hawkeye hawkeye was like a, like a solid like two and a half hours however long it was mm. like fun superhero story uh starring Haley steinfeld as uh, a young archer who uh kind of idolizes hawkeye and she's and, like the next Hawkeye. And she's right? the next Hawkeye. In the comics, yeah. she's also called Hawkeye. She's his protege. It's, and, so this is about kind of like restarting all the characters. It's kind of about legacy. You know, it's yeah. about like sort of what 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 goes next. Because there's a She-Hulk as well. She-Hulk's and, coming and, up. And there's yeah. another uh, like Miss Marvel is coming up. And, Ms. There's also like an Iron like Iron Heart, Iron Man Junior, whatever. Iron Heart. I, I don't know about Iron Heart. I, I, I actually that's that a little after my time. I wasn't yeah. reading the comics when she came around. So. um... But uh, Haley Steinfeld and Jeremy Renner have great chemistry together. Uh, there's some actually really fun storytelling there, and it's a it's a good character piece and a fun mystery. And I just think that one just co- coheres really, really well. I like that one a lot. And uh, Moon Knight has some good ideas, but it's not very well directed, which is frustrating. It's just it it looks cheap. It feels mm. cheap. It's got like that sort of like a lot of the Disney shows feel kind of big and epic, and with a few notable exception scenes, uh, Moon Knight feels like like a like 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 a, like a, like a prime man kind of yeah stuff. like yeah. a prime time TV movie like a, a kind of vibe and it just Oscar Isaac's kind of wasted in that one if you ask me like he's he's doing a good job but the show is right. awkwardly written so um you know they're mixed bags uh, I'm looking forward to Miss Marvel we'll see how it goes but you know no guarantee mm-hmm. anyway uh, I hope I didn't forget something but yeah that's my those right. are my pellet size reviews alright alright let's uh, let's move on well, what else we got oh uh, we got some other envelopes and this one comes par avion it's an international letter ooh ooh look uh, I pulled the envelope out it has a little googly eye on it oh nice so I'm, I'm hoping this uh, this is uh, relating to um, everything everyone all wants yeah ooh this is really nice envelope ooh, what's yeah, going on yeah there you go oh my god look at that 
Oh, That's a so little, cool. There's a little booklet in here. Um, wow. With, there's, oh, there's like additional envelopes inside. Okay. Uh, these are homemade envelopes. Oh my god. What with a uh, like countdown leader on our uh, leader, like from film strips on it. Let's say oh. one, two, three, and four. Okay. Is there a uh, note? Oh, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, and five. Excuse me. Is there a, a note? There's a note too. Oh, let's start with the note. Um, Oh, oh, we just been enlisted into like David Fincher's The Game, haven't we? And the, the rest of this oh, podcast, no. we're gonna have to be like driving around, and we're gonna. This is like, fascinating. This is, yeah, someone put in some effort here. Thank oh, you. Golly, thank okay, you. so okay. read, read oh, this gosh, note. This is a nice long, uh, <laughs> and it like scrolls out. Okay, this one comes from uh, Eva Wiz. Okay, maybe it's Ive Wiz. Um, okay. Hi, Bibbs. Hi, Whitney. Hello. Uh, I've been meaning to, and I, I, of course, I rumple the paper so, so you can hear you, you know how genuine it is. A little yeah. tactile thrill for you. Uh, I've been meaning to write into you for a long time. I guess it was uh, crippled by the thought that it could be right on the podcast, but what the heck? I had to express my gratitude for all the great discourses you've been sharing with us since the B Movies podcast days. Oh my God. But especially for you keeping at it during these last couple special years. Uh, by the way, I want to. Uh, I stop and give a special mm. thanks for your excellent penmanship. Oh, yeah, real nice. Yeah, this is this is very very neat. Yeah. Uh, as we've all experienced, it's been a hoot. Uh, mm-hmm. Before then, I used to be up to date and go to the movie theater two to three times a week. And uh, ahead of hearing your reviews, it was a dire change of pace when the pandemic hit. Early on, I needed to disconnect from my social platforms and limit my consumption of news to stay sane. Yeah, it was a rough time. Yeah, uh, it led me to stop following current movie releases. Was actually a nice change of beat. I decided to catch up on my ever-growing watch list instead. Uh, Then in the fall of 2020, I decided to shake off that funk of isolation by painting the cabinets in my kitchen. Uh, And there's an appendix attached to that. Appendix? Appendix 1. I think that's the one you're uh, you're handling. It was an elaborate design, so I needed something to carry me through long painting sessions. Since I had a brief chance to frequent movie theaters again, it was around the time Tenet came out, I decided to pick up your podcasts again, and I would listen to them all the time I was painting, which meant all my waking hours outside of work. Uh... It's around the time I finished painting the cabinets that I subscribed to your Patreon. I was still behind uh, on your podcasts, but I had caught a tweet from Bibbs in a Twitter highlights email that mentioned some dreadful laptop calamity. I ventured back onto the Bluebirds land and uh, even drew a little uh, Twitter icon there. <laughs> to know more about it, just for you, Bibbs, opting for the Alien Prince membership. Oh my goodness. Uh, I nice. felt like a no-brainer to support you and the least I could do uh, for all your entertaining reviews. And the laughs you've provided me, you guys are my favorite critics by far. Oh, oh my god, thank you. Uh, it's undeniable that my watch list relies almost exclusively on my listening to your podcasts. Because while watching these movies, I am reminded of the things you said and why I wanted to check them out. I can't think. I can't thank you both enough for all the films you've incited me to watch, either through a full review or a brief mention on one of your many captivating digressions. Green for Danger was one of my favorites, Ooh. along with Unfaithfully Yours. The Box Trolls in Ooh. 3D, Living in Oblivion, that's a good movie, Nice. Uh, Dr. X, I Could Go On, and there's a double star here. I thought it would be fun to share with you the films you convinced me to watch that I got around to, so I tagged them with hashtag critically acclaimed in my letterboxed diary since January 2021. Feel free to peruse, I rated them all, and there's a QR code if you would like to scan it. Oh my god, that is so <laughs> amazing. Oh my goodness. Wow. This, this is this is amazing. This, this you is so put great. so much yeah. effort into this. Um I meant to send you my pick for my critically acclaimed episode ever since I finished my kitchen cabinets, but I got carried away uh, with more makeover projects for my apartment. Uh, I'll check out Appendix 2 for whimsical brick walls and Appendix 3 for a bathroom a la Black Lagoon. Wow. Uh, Amidst my latest endeavor, another footnote to see Appendix 4. Uh, 
Yeah, go ahead and start opening. <laughs> I'm opening it. Okay, okay, I'm opening it. Uh, hang on, hang on. I missed the deadline to send you my request before the change to p- the Patreon perks. I was so eager to be done painting and regain my kitchen table buried under pints of paint for months that I decided to plow through and finally send you this letter once done. Alas, too late. Cue the violins. Uh, I mean... Talk to us. Maybe yeah, talk to us. This, you yeah. put in so much effort here. Um, I'm still about four months behind on your shows. You put a lot oh out there. God. Bless your souls. Please take vacations. Until I'm done catching up, I focus on your film podcasts, mainly critically acclaimed and reclaimed, The Iron List, We've Got Mail, Episode Zero, and Commentary Tracks. But I look forward to listening to your TNG episodes of All Our Yesterdays and Holy Batman. Uh, anywho, I... Uh, here we are, and I have yet to confess, I am in an act of desperation while I tended to the finishing touches of my apartment in April. I purchased a copy of my pick for my critically acclaimed and had it sent to your P.O. box that before the deadline, you might recall a cryptic Amazon package that contained a Blu-ray of a 90s swashbuckler gem from Rennie Harlan that showed up on it April 29th. That was me. Oh my god. I love Cutthroat I was Island. wondering who that was. We just randomly got Cutthroat we were Island just, in the we mail. Were great no we didn't, know, we didn't yeah. know who it was from. Thank you, thank you for that. Okay, so mystery solved. Okay, we have we do have the the video of Cutthroat we Island. We do have that. Mm. Okay, we we could probably do put that together. If you can't do it, I'd still love you both deliriously, and I understand it's worth mm. noting that it's also a long movie, 124 minutes. It's just asking a lot from you. Oh, pff, I've seen Love Diaz movies, dude. <laughs> We're not doing uh, a commentary track for Love Diaz movies, dude. <laughs> could we? <laughs> do you have a weekend? <laughs> I don't. Let's do, let's do uh, um, uh, Evolution of a Filipino Family. That's that's the eight and a half hour one. I just bumped okay. the table. Yeah, Sorry stop doing that. that. Um, Maybe it'll show up on an iron list of the best pirate movies someday Ooh, instead. Fun. Instead, question mark, smiley face. Yeah. Uh, thank you again for your stellar criticism and guidance. Next for me, I have high hopes for Troop Beverly Hills, yes. which I rented yesterday from a local video store Ooh. that I discovered during the pandemic. Uh, I take every opportunity to support them now. It's called Bay Street Video for the Toronto listeners out there. But awesome. I digress. Um, well, all, our big shout out to Bay Street Video. That's awesome. I, I know a little bit about the Toronto video store scene from uh, Red Letter Media. They have mm. some guys who come down from Toronto. Yeah. And they talked about In the Mouth of Madness, ah. which is a, a movie I'm very fond of. And you know the, the really excellent scene in In the Mouth of Madness yeah. where um, Sam Neill and... Uh, and a compatriot are sitting at a table, mm-hmm. and we see through the window across the street this guy with an axe come out of a store. Yeah. He charges across the street, ends up smashing through the window without the the characters in the foreground noticing. Mm-hmm. Good shot. Yeah. Uh, the store he came out of was a video store in Toronto. I know that now. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and the insane asylum was a water treatment plant in Toronto. I heard that. Yeah, but that one I knew. That's amazing. But uh, yeah, he told a story of how he went to that video store to rent in the mouth of madness. He says, "Yeah, take." Oh well, that's that, you got that, that, that. The act scene is really great. Like the video yeah. store clerk. I don't know if that's big cities so. or not, but if so, you got to rent yeah. in the mouth of madness there. Uh, I love you both, nerdly. Uh, Eva Wiz. Uh, P.S. An iron list of the best Gina Davis movies would be amazing. Oh, that's please. <coughs> Excuse me. And P.S. Number two. I forgot my question. <laughs> what do you? Uh, what do you do to make your home feel like your place? Mm. Uh, and, yeah, and that's the letter. Thank that's you. an excellent question. First off, you've got to see these pictures. These oh, show, are the, yeah, show, show So here are the cupboards. Look at how beautiful that is. Oh, these are these, like hand-painted with pictures and stuff. Yeah, like they've like, got Audrey 2 on oh, there. They a little, look fantastic. A little face, and these are like in a really broad cartoonish style. They look yeah, gorgeous. Like whoever, you're, you're incredibly brain, talented. Dead mushroom man. Vamp, like Nosferatu vampire little yeah. severed tentacle. I love tentacles. You can see how they like they painted mm-hmm. uh, their apartment so that it had like uh, bricks oh, like, on it. Oh, look it looks that. awesome. It looks like you're living in like an amazing video <clears> game. Here is the creature from the Black Lagoon room. Look at mm-hmm. this. 
Oh, this is amazing. Yeah, and I haven't, got, I haven't gotten to four yet. Jeez. And <laughs> five is coming. Hold on. <coughs> yeah, we, we, wow. this, this is the podcast now. We're just looking at I'm pictures. I'm sorry. We, we have see. to do this, and I apologize. <laughs> we'll try to describe them yeah. a bit. Uh, yeah, um, uh, oh, wow. And there's a picture of him. Yeah, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, 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 there you are. With the art. Uh, Yeah, your apartment is amazing. This is wonderful. I am so jealous. You know, you (laughs) ask, like, how do we make our spaces our own? Uh, Not as effectively as this (laughs) is the answer, unfortunately. Um, I mean, we, I think like most people, we just sort of surround ourselves with knickknacks. I I have lots of... um, you know, movie posters are, are an, an easy answer, but I also have, you know, things I've accumulated over the years. I have, uh, uh, you know, back in the 90s when uh, gr- alien greys started appearing on things. I got a lot of, uh, I got like an alien grey candle. That one goes around with me everywhere. Mm. I have a little uh, King Kong statue. I have a little uh, <clears throat> vintage Bob's Big Boy bank. Mm-hmm. If you remember Bob's Big Boy, I there's, do. There's yeah. one left. I think there's it's still open, it's in, still open in Burbank, California. There used to yeah. be a lot more of them. It used to be a big chain, yeah. Uh, but I, I have that. It's vintage. It's like from the yeah. the, the mid '80s, and stuck in and it's a bank. It has a slot in the back of its head, yeah. and stuck in that slot is a, another vintage item, a little hand flag from the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics. Wow. So uh, that that's a little fun little decoration that I like having around. Yeah. Oh my gosh, th- these cupboards are incredible. Yeah. And then, then lastly there's a there's a note at the last one of these about Cutthroat Island. <laughs> Uh, saying, so Cutthroat Island, to be frank, I'm planning to show it for my birthday later this year. Last year I rented a movie theater and invited my friends to watch the 1986 Little Shop of Horrors. It was uh, it was so nice to gather safely with friends and enjoy a private screening together that I want to do it again this year. And there's a picture of them at their screening with their little marquee. Yeah. Cutthroat Island is another classic of my childhood that I genuinely adore. It seems to get slighted by default when it's brought up, so I'm very curious about your perspective on it. Personally, I think it's a perfect pirate movie. It delivers spectacle and fun. Gina Davis, and there's Gina Davis is underlined, brings us all her charismatic kick-ass might as the lead protagonist, and Matthew Modine makes a lasting impression as a sidekick hunk. In my humble opinion, it deserves to be reclaimed. Well, I'm going to tell you just flat out, I haven't seen Cutthroat Island in its entirety since it came out. Okay. Uh, I remember thinking I didn't particularly love it, but it was fine. I always thought Gina Davis yeah. was a really great action star uh, who just only had like one or two good action movies, unfortunately. Well, there, there was like, that one and there was The Long Kiss Goodnight. The Long Kiss Goodnight yeah. kicks ass. Yeah. yeah. That is a legitimately kick-ass movie and more people need to see that. Cutthroat uh, Island, I know it's not for everybody, but seriously, Long Kiss Goodnight, awesome. <laughs> we should have had a lot more Gina Davis action movies. Mm-hmm. Without Rennie Harlan, not that there's anything wrong with Rennie Harlan, but it shouldn't well, have been I, just Rennie Harlan I, doing. I, that. I could list a few things wrong with Rennie Harlan. Well, you know what I mean. Him. Like I just feel like it's she, she deserved to like break right. out of that. So, um, so oh uh, we so, yeah. we will totally check out Cutthroat Island again. I've been meaning to it for a while. Anyway, um, these are incredible. You are a brilliant artist. Thank you so and much. I am this very is, jealous of you. Now the, the, I, the entire letter was like an art project it's unto incredible. itself. There. It's amazing. <laughs> Um, so how, how do I make my space? Mount? I, you know, it's interesting. I, I share my space and you share your space with your, with your yeah, wife we're, and son. We're, and, we're, we're, yeah, yeah I, I have a seven year old, so yeah, it, it's, it kind of becomes his space after yeah. a while. And, a lot and, of, a lot of how we decorated dictate yeah. know, the, the needs of parenthood. And I live with an artist and so, you know, their, their work is heavily displayed and I'm glad it is. Uh, I've got some posters up for movies that I care about more than other people. Uh, although, uh, in one particular instance, uh, my partner Michelle uh, is very into it too. Uh, Troop Beverly Hills has a prominent, uh, is a framed poster in our hallway, uh, and uh, indeed, um, 
when we got married, our exit music was the Beach Boys theme from Troop Beverly Hills, You Can Make It Big. And the problem is that we couldn't find uh, a, a, the actual like album that that was on. It was like weirdly unavailable. So we had to like make a copy off of a YouTube clip from Troop Beverly Hills. And when we gave it to like the wedding like music person... Uh, we forgot to tell them that it segues into the movie. And so there was this awkward moment where everyone at the wedding was like, what are we listening to at the end here? What's going on? <laughs> so that was very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a frame poster of Premium Rush that was given to me by none other than Whitney Seibold. Uh, I've got various knickknacks I've acquired throughout the years. I have a, an evil bong that was given to me by Charles Band from Full Moon. Oh, I, I have... Uh, I mean, it's it, it's not a, it's not a nice name, but uh, yeah. the, the statue is called the Crack Whore. And... Um, mm. Uh, that but it was, was a gift. It was a gift. It was a gift from Charles Band. It's like, yeah. here, have this. Like, I, what it do I like do with this? It was like this novelty. Put, put it on like your a, desk. A novelty statue yeah. they made from Full Moon. Yeah, mm. incredibly in, uh, inappropriate. Well, I mean, the the it comes from a movie where the goal was to be as inappropriate as possible. So I right. got a very inappropriate uh, knickknack, and it's on my desk. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, right next to Asterix and Obelix. But mostly what I have, I, you know, it's weird. I, I actually struggle with this, and I need to be better about, like, securing space for myself, like a corner. Uh-huh. That's just kind of mine for, like, my own, like, sort of, like, tranquility. Uh, but mostly what I have is my giant wall of DVDs, which... <laughs> it's I, a lot, whole library. I, I, I remember I was actually... I got to talk with uh, Guillermo del Toro once. And Guillermo del Toro was a famous collector of horror memorabilia. And he, he said something that was really quite spot on, which is, um, you know, you collect things for yourself... But mostly you collect them for when other collectors walk into your house and oh, go, absolutely, ooh, yeah. that's what you live for. That little hit of, of like whatever <laughs> that dopamine is. Yeah. yeah, that validation. Like, yeah, I can't believe you found that DVD or, oh, you've got that wooden box set of The Wicker Man that they only made like 2,000 of. Like that mm. kind of thing. Like that's... It, it, you, you get it partly to show off. Uh, a little and, bit, and, yeah. You know, I don't have this many know, DVDs. And, and we know the game. When, yeah. when you go to someone else's house, you size them up a little bit. I absolutely bit. Yeah. do. And if someone has an impressive collection, I tell them so. Mm. And, and a lot of my friends do. A lot of them don't. That's also fine. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I also have like a, a few... And actually, I need to move some things around. But I've got some items that have been sent to us from various uh, critically acclaimed fans over the years. My Drinky Bird is over here. Thank you still to the person who sent me that. Um, I've got like things on display. But um, yeah, I actually want to do a better job about finding like a nook for myself. And you know yeah. what? You did such a gorgeous job in your apartment or house. I think it's an apartment. Uh, that I, I'm really inspired. <laughs> I really want to do something <laughs> that cool. It's some more art. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, that, that sort of impulse. I, I've never lived by myself, mm-hmm. so I never had. Oh, of, never. Yeah, I've, wow. I've always lived with a you know a roommate, a girlfriend, now a wife. Uh, lived with my parents for longer than I wanted to, mm-hmm. uh, and so I've never had sort of the impulse to just sort of make a whole space mine. Yeah, because I've never really had the opportunity to make a whole space mine. Yeah, like you can control every aspect. And, uh, of it, yeah. uh, the the closest I got was when I was rooming with uh, with an ex, mm. and. Um, just one night, because we were bored, we took all of the uh, uh, plastic plates off of the light switches and uh, electrical outlets mm. and got, like, kids' hand paints, and we just decorated those and then put all them right. back on. That's fun. Yeah, so um, rather than just plugging it into the wall, you're now plugging it into, uh, like, a giant uh, Frankenstein head that I mm. painted. Um, that's I think that's, the, like, the most extreme thing I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very interesting, but yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you again. That was incredible, yeah, and you and really you really went all out. So thank you again. Absolutely. Yeah, we're yeah. we're, we're going to keep that one. Yeah. Very humble by that. And uh, we have another envelope here. Oh fact, yeah, we got a few more. End of it, and there's even some videos in oh, this God, one. This is pretty insane. Um, just let me. It's another letter. Okay. Here's the crinkling. Here, here's the crinkling. This comes from Luke N. Hello, new Luke. Hello. Uh, dear Bibbs and Rockmeister McCool of the Clan McCool. <laughs> I just wanted to send you a little thank for thank thank you for all the enjoyable podcasts you put out, and also continue to try to make up for sending you Lancelot Link. <laughs> oh, that was you, <laughs> you monster! No, we're kidding, we're kidding. We, Lancelot Link was a particularly difficult uh, sit for uh, cancel too soon. That being said, we were going to do it eventually anyway. It was going to get. It was uh, on the list. Kinda, we wouldn't have done it right away, but we were going to do it. You eventually. You kind of forced our hand. That's yeah. All. No, we were. We here's the deal. Uh, we we live for the pain. <laughs> we don't always enjoy it, but we uh, live for it. Uh, so do not apologize. Well, Thank why, you so much. Why watch something that's good? That's mm-hmm. food, that's so boring. How, that's not how uh, you know you're alive. Yeah, like yeah. why does Tom Cruise jump off of cliffs? Why did we watch Lancelot Link? Same thing. Same thing. We are we are as daring as Tom Cruise. Yeah, except we get to, except we're not we, we're easier to ensure. You know what? <laughs> Tom Cruise probably hasn't watched Lancelot Link. Oh my god. If I ever get to interview Tom Cruise, you that'll must. be my first question. Have you ever seen Lancelot Link? Have you ever seen Link? Lancelot Link, that, that children's sitcom yeah. about the trained chimpanzees? And he's going to say no. He'll be like, ha ha, I win! <laughs> and, then, and I leave the interview! <laughs> Wait, I thought we were here for a half hour. Fuck you! <laughs> I win! And we should get back to the Alright, fine. Uh, <laughs> though I, I laugh whenever you mention Lancelot Link. Uh... How could something that uh, that at least sounds somewhat interesting on paper be so bad, last so many episodes, and get put into a rerun schedule? Uh, if either of you, uh, if if either or both of you already have a copy of Brain Candy on Blu-ray, oh. and here is the Blu-ray for Brain Candy. Oh my goodness! There's there's two copies, one for each of oh us. Oh my god! Here. A, thank you. Uh, feel free to give it to someone deserving, not yeah, to put you guys on the spot, it. but I also own a couple of copies of Hex Wives. Uh, and just wanted to know if you got them, or if I sent them to the wrong PO box, or some of, some lucky duck kept them. Uh, we got hex wives, okay, and I've read hex wives, and okay. uh, and it's 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 a fun, um, like fifties housewife lesbian witch story, like comic book story. Sold. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. Uh, seriously though, thank you so much. I am currently 43, uh, right, and right around my 40th birthday, I started noticing uh, increased issues with anxiety. Mm. Uh, Starting to deal with it uh, at such a late age has been rough, often feeling embarrassed by how helpless I can feel, despite being an adult who otherwise has, uh, has his shit mostly together. Your talking so openly about your personal issues has helped me feel more comfortable with my own, as mm. does having a couple of years of your Patreon episodes to get caught up on. When I feel an attack coming on, I shotgun three to four old episodes as a quasi-marathon while my anxiety meds are kicking in. Oh my god, thank you. Glad we can help. Our, our, yeah. my, our, my whining can do something. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, since my favorite show, show of yours is canceled too soon, I have a suggestion. Don't worry, after the Lancelot Link disaster, I have sworn to only suggest <laughs> things I have watched a few episodes of first. Okay. I mean, I did also provide you with The Edge, so I have some good ideas. Very grateful that's, for that, that's one of those, And that was one of my Wait, favorite that, shows. That really made Whitney's year, I'm not going to lie. Uh, over on Tubi, may it be forever strange, mm. I came across a 12-episode show from 1982 called Tucker's Witch. Yes, we, we actually have a copy we, we of have that. A, we have the DVD of Tucker's Witch. Yeah, it, it's uh, like, it was a very unofficial, but yeah, I've been wanting uh, to get to this, actually. Uh, it stars Tim Matheson and Catherine Hicks as a married couple that work as a private investigator team. Oh, and Hicks, Hicks is a witch. Yeah. Oh, and Alfred Woodard is their secretary. Oh, I didn't I know, know that, that part. part. That's yeah. fun, yeah. Aside from some... Uh, 
light of the time misogyny. It's a cute show yeah. uh, with a few surprising guest stars. Matheson and Hicks are no Nick and Nora, but they're clearly a couple that is in love and are frisky as hell. Hmm. Uh, and lastly, a question. What real-life stories would you like to see movies made for? Personally, I have two. Okay. Uh, the creation and the release of Tetris. Oh, I've heard of I think they're actually trying to do that, actually. I think they're oh, yeah. actually be in the cards. Uh, and the making of Pulgasari, the North Korean kaiju film. That is a fascinating tale, and uh, I would love to see someone tackle uh, that. Both stories are wild and full of moments that feel like they would get cut out of a screenplay for being too unrealistic. Thank you again, Luke N. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. thank you. Thank you for this brain candy. Blu-ray. Thank you so much. I didn't own that, so I'm very grateful to um, you for that. Thank have, you. Have you watched the new Kids in the Hall? Uh, Not yet. On I haven't had an opportunity yet. The first episode begins with, um, I think it's Scott Thompson. He's having a yard mm. sale, and uh, you know people are coming in and he's making you know his his rye jokes, and they pick up a VHS copy of Brain Candy. Mm. It's like, oh yeah, I remember Brain Candy. It's, it's a pretty good movie. You should watch it. And the, the person holding the video pulls out some money. Fine, here's 50 cents. I'll watch it. And he f- grabs the coins, goes, ha, 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 ha. Brain candy has finally broke even. <laughs> and, uh, and like, well like the earth shakes. It's like, that means we have to reboot the show now. And they literally dig up the cast from a grave. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Um, I, by the way, your suggestion of Polgasari is a great idea. If you do not know the legend of Polgasari... It is one of the weirdest behind-the-scenes tales in all of movie history. Do you know about Polkasari? No, I know the movie, but I don't know its making. Polkasari is a 1985 uh, North Korean kaiju film. You know, Mm. big giant monster is going... Breaking City is going rawr. Mm. Uh, But it's not just any movie. Uh, It was made by... uh, uh, Let me make sure I get his... uh, Mm. It was uh, the the director of the film... uh, (laughs) <laughs> his name was Shin Sang Ok And uh, his wife was Choi Eun Hee I hope I'm pronouncing those correctly uh, Kim Jong Il Was a big fan So he had them kidnapped And forced them to make movies for him Including Paul Gasari. And then Oh my god, at, Kim Jong Il is credited as a producer on the movie he, he did, it was his idea Like, oh And god. he wanted them to make this giant monster movie So they were forced to make this giant monster movie by a despot who, like, basically... Would, and then they ended up having to escape. I think they escaped in the middle of a film festival. Like, they literally fled. <laughs> like, it's an incredible... It's sad. It's bizarre. But it's incredibly sad and weird. Um, and so I've never actually seen Polgasari, the actual movie that they made it of. It's a, it's a remake of a movie that has now been lost. But uh, I haven't seen either version, yeah. obviously. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, yeah, the story is incredible. Oh my god. Uh, Shin Seng Ok, yeah. who made Pulgasari, yeah. came to the United States, uh, assumed the name Simon Sheen, uh-huh. and directed Three Ninjas Knuckle Up. What? Three Ninjas Kick Back. What? And Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain. <laughs> I had no idea that was the same guy. Same guy. Oh. My God in heaven, that is amazing. <laughs> what an epilogue. <laughs> wow. So that's a great pick. You are a genius for picking that. Someone definitely needs to make that into a movie. I would kill to see that movie. Holy crap. Um, in fact, I can't think of a better idea. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I really can't. I can't think of, off the top of my head. I can't think of a better idea for a movie than that. And the only other one, I actually mentioned this recently. I forget where, but... Um, we were talking on some podcast about the Twilight Zone, and uh, 
the network, the Twilight Zone on, hated the Twilight Zone and kept trying to cancel it. But Rod mm-hmm. Serling kept getting such good ratings that they couldn't. And that kind of push and pull has a kind of like Howard Stern's private parts kind of quality to it. And I always thought that would make a good idea for a film. And also talk about the way that the many, uh, the many, many episodes of the Twilight Zone that Rod Serling wrote uh, were actually very much reflective of what was going on in his actual life and his experiences in the war. And uh, so, yeah, I think it'd be mm. a really cool idea. So that's one I've always thought would be neat. Um. I would love to see, uh, I'm not sure if there has ever been a biopic uh, of Emperor Norton I. Not that I'm aware of. Of the United States. No, I have no idea. Uh, this guy declared himself Emperor of the U.S. in like the 1880s. Oh. Or, or, no, I guess he died in 1880, so it was a, a, a little bit, uh, but mm. yeah, he was like this boring commodities trader guy who went out into the mountains, came down, and had essentially mm. gone through some sort of change. And uh, a lot of people said he was a little eccentric. Some people said he was completely insane, but mm-hmm. he declared himself uh, emperor of the U.S. And people respected that. They I would. treated him like an emperor. This sounds like like a, a Frank Capra movie. Like yeah. Everybody just sort of treats this kooky guy as the emperor. So as far as he was concerned, he was the emperor of the U.S. Apparently, I would just look this up, like, have there ever been a movie uh, mm. made about him? And apparently, no, but... Uh, he was referenced, like you can see an actor playing him, in the 1956 Oscar-winning film Around the World in 80 Days. Oh, there you go. So yeah. he's, he's in there a little bit. But to the best of my knowledge, there's never been a movie about him. And this scene, this sounds like the kind of movie that would have been like a comedy that would have been the toast of Sundance in 1995. Yeah, you, and, and you, you can visit... It. Uh, something like you know, Jarmish would have knocked off in a mm. weekend. Um, and you can visit his tombstone. It says Norton the First, Emperor nice. of the United States and Protector of Mexico. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him. Um, wow. So thank you. Hey, is is that it for the packages? And stuff? Uh, that's it for the packages. Thank you so, so yeah. much, everybody. And uh, yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to. Well, we'll get to a couple of emails as well because we got time. But um, wow. What a what a wonderful uh, yeah, array of things! Thank you so and thank much. you everybody for being so thoughtful yeah. and uh, and supporting the show mm. and uh, and and for your art. Some of these things are so glorious. Um, mm. I'm very jealous. I'm jealous of your talent. So thank you so much. Um, but yeah, Whitney, why don't we, do we have any uh, do we have any emails yeah. or? Okay. I, I I almost read this one, but this is spam. Your website is not ranking well on Google. Oh no! I can help you putting in your website on Google top page and getting more customers <laughs> nice well thanks for writing in i guess we'll have to do that yeah there's another one called best business proposal hmm. do we have any non-spam uh, uh, dear, or are dear, we just really dear, unpopular dear web owner jesus oh gosh okay um want to grow your business no why are we getting so much spam this week okay here's one about star trek 5 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this one comes from Shad. Hello, Shad. Um, greetings, Admirals, Bibbs and Seibel. Uh, after listening to the latest All Our Yesterdays about Star Trek V, I mm. wanted to write in with some insights from the novelization. Okay. Uh, real fast, if anyone isn't on our Patreon, one of our Patreon shows is called All Our Yesterdays. We're reviewing every single episode of Star Trek in order, including the movies. And we recently did an episode dedicated to Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, Directed by William Shatner. Many people consider it to be the very worst Star Trek movie. Mm. Uh, but I do think it's an interesting film whether or not you like it. So, yeah, well, uh, well, uh, Some interesting ideas that didn't get well developed. It's that's, fair, that's it's fair to on. say. I, I, um, I enjoy it more than most, but I'm not going to pretend it's a great Still a bad film. movie. Uh, yeah. uh, anyway, uh, the novelization of Star Trek V. Yeah. 
Novelizations are typically based on screenplays. Yeah, usually not, early not screenplays. finished movies. Yeah, usually the very so, early uh, screenplays so that the book can be done in time for when the movie comes right. out. So if a movie gets dramatically rewritten, sometimes the book will reflect earlier drafts that aren't, right. aren't uh, canon anymore. Additionally, uh, the authors are allowed to embellish a little bit. Not yeah, they too have to, much, but... They have to do some... They have, they yeah, have they, to pad it out a little bit. They're adapting it yeah. to literature, so yeah, yeah, they kind of have to pad they, it out they, a little bit. And they they add, get to add, add like inner monologues and everything that might not necessarily be what the actors were thinking of they get to uh, elaborate on backstories and various yeah, elements right. of the plot. Uh, sometimes novelizations it gets a bum rap. Sometimes they're fun. Sometimes yeah, there's yeah. neat stuff in them. Oh, and, and and we've talked about the new nightmare novelization, which is the ultimate times, but, novelization. Uh, but yes. Um, anyway, uh, the novelization always arrived before the movie back in the '80s, and my hometown didn't always get the movies on opening day, so I always read the novelization first, neat. or right after the movie. Uh, did you ever do that? Have you ever read, a, read yeah. a novelization prior to seeing a film? I think I did that with um, Terminator 2. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I hadn't seen Terminator 2 yet, but the novelization was available at a local uh, local supermarket. It was called Hughes. H-U-G-H-E-S. I don't think it's around anymore. Um I could sing you the jingle. I remember it. Yeah, and... but they had they had a, they actually had a pretty big like uh, little you know like. Yeah, you know, like some bookstore, some uh, grocery stores have like they have like a small book section. It's yeah, usually little, like little rom coms yeah. or a couple of Stephen Kings. Uh, but they used to have a pretty sizable one at my local Hughes, like a pretty sizable like okay. selection. So uh, yeah, they had the novelization of Terminator Two like a couple of weeks before Terminator came out. So right. I read that thing and. Um, mm-hmm. More or less spot on. There was a lot more stuff in the future, if memory serves. Oh, interesting. I don't know if it was originally in the script or not, but like there was a lot of uh, there's just a lot more stuff in the future. Yeah. As as a kid, I read the novelization of Little Monsters, the, the Fred Savage vehicle from what a great eight, novel, eighty eight or eighty nine, <laughs> whatever that was. Yeah, I read the novelization of that. Yeah. I wasn't even looking forward to the movie. It was one of those things where they give you the Scholastic catalog and they say you can pick like three free books. Like okay. Here's a Garfield book. Um, here's mm. a ghost story and what the heck. Little Monsters. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Oh, this is a movie tie-in. Oh. Ew. Oh, okay. I'll read that. Is it that. based on a book? No. No. Oh. The book was based on the screenplay. All right. Well. All right. Um, here are some things that were not in the movie that seem important to the story. Of interesting. Star- of Star Trek V. Okay. Number one. Spock calls them marshmallows. Yes. Because, I heard about uh, this. Yeah. Because he did research about camping before they left. However, Bones paid an ensign to put false information into the computer as a prank on Spock. It's not funny, but it does explain why Spock was pronouncing it wrong. Indeed, I actually noticed that after... I meant to mention this in the show, but I, I didn't really pay attention in the mm. time. Uh, but yeah, Spock says marshmallows instead of mellows. And if you're only half paying attention, you just maybe think you heard it wrong. Uh-huh. But no, he said marshmallows because there was a plot point that was cut out. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> it also explains why Bones looks so angry at the end of the movie. Spock had discovered the prank and called Bones out on it. Uh, number two, Spock's mother was a Vulcan priestess, not a princess, as Spock said in the movie. Her marriage to Sarek was annulled when she joined the priesthood and achieved Kolinar High Master. Uh, she later received uh, messages and enlightenment from the creature at Shakari and embraced emotion and taught her son to do the same. So this was I like think a legacy Cybox mom, I guess. So. Cybox mom. Yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah, Spock's yeah. mom was. We know. We know her. But yeah. Yes. Okay, that's interesting. That yeah. Makes sense. Um, when she died, her katra that that's like the Vulcan mm. consciousness, their you, soul. You may recall in Star Trek uh, three mm. when when Spock thought he was dying, he put his consciousness in bones. Yeah, that was his. Uh, uh, yeah. When Cybox's mother died, uh, she put her katra was removed 
removed and placed in the Hall of Ancients. Cybok violated the tradition and removed her katra to learn the location of Shakari and was banished as his name was forever Tamzarian. <laughs> <laughs> So that's why we're so, yeah. you're not allowed to talk about him mm. anymore. He's okay. All right. All so that's right, two right. siblings of Spock that happened too. Because so we, we talked about how uh, uh, Michael Burnham was also Tamzarian. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, uh, point three: Spock doesn't mention he's related to Cybok sooner because he explains his memories are still somewhat fractured from his death and resurrection. Also, uh, fair so, game. Legit. All right. Fair yeah. game. Okay. Mm. And on point number four, no ship had ever gone through the Great Barrier before. Cybok was able to develop a special type of shield that allowed them to pass through. Yeah. It doesn't explain why the Klingon ship was there, but... Uh, the, it's oh, fine. Oh, wait, they addressed that. The Klingons were able to pass through because they hacked the Enterprise's computer. Uh, no one good. noticed because they were all under Cybok's thrall. You basically, they basically invented an obstacle and invented a bullshit way to get through it. Yeah. You didn't have to do either these, of those yeah. things. These things don't necessarily improve the story, but they do yeah. clarify some points. Thanks for continuing the trek and for all the other podcasts and work you do. Sincerely, Shad. P.S. What's next after Holy Batman? I'm dying to know. Okay. Uh, well, first off, again, thank you you for your insights into Star Trek 5. Uh, lots of movies have things cut out. Lots of movies have justifications that, you know, are just sort of, the writers know them, but they're not terribly important, or, like, they don't think the audience cares, and sometimes we do. So that's really useful to know. Uh, should we announce what we're doing after Holy Batman? Uh, not not yet. Not okay. Because we still have a few more Holy Batmans two to more, go, a, Another one of our Patreon podcasts is called Holy Batman. Whitney and I have been going through every single... Uh, piece of media where Adam West and Burt Ward actually played Batman and Robin. Mm. Uh, and we only have two episodes left. We're going to be doing an episode about um, Return of the Cape Crusaders, which was an animated movie uh, starring uh, West and, uh, and Ward. Uh, and then there's also, uh, I think it's called Batman vs. Two-Face, which is a sequel to that. That also takes place in the 1960s. Mm. When we're done with that, we were seriously thinking about taking a break, and then we realized, no, we're us. So we do have <laughs> a new idea. It's not going to be nearly as long as the as the Batman show, mm. uh, as our next follow-up, but it is something that is very on-brand. We probably should have done it before, and we're making amends for that mm. now, or very, very soon anyway. But uh, we'll announce that in this last episode of Holy Batman, which should only be about two weeks away. So, okay. um, Next letter. Next letter. We, I think we have time for one or two more. Uh, here's a letter from Max. Hello, Max. Uh, this is uh, in regards to Pride Month. Oh, great. Uh, happy Pride. It's happy Pride. Yeah, here in the United States, June is uh, Pride Month. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, qu queer Pride. You get to wave your flag. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Dear Bibbs and Whitney, first off, happy Pride Month to both you, and congrats to Bibbs on your coming out. Thank uh, you. I, if anyone missed it, uh, I, uh, I've been uh, going through a lot of uh, self-reflection, and I realized that I am gray sexual, uh, and uh, it took me a while to... Which is uh, re related to asexual. It's, it's on the asexual Maybe, spectrum. Yeah. It's not it's not strictly asexual, mm. but it's pretty close to it, and, um, and the way that that works varies. It's complicated, but... Mm. Um, uh, I, this was not something that actually was like regularly discussed as like an a, an I, an option. Like I didn't know I could be that when I was younger. Um, well, the, so the, the term is pretty new. The term is pretty oh, yeah. new. But even asexual was something that I wasn't really aware of. Was like even as a young 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 person, like I knew there was gay and I knew yeah. there was trans, but I didn't necessarily know that this was an option. And so I had never really seriously considered it. And uh, the older I got, the more I realized. Wait a minute, actually this this tracks so hard. Um, so it took me a while to get used to the idea, but yeah, I'm gray sexual, and uh, thank you to everybody who's been very, very cool about it. 
Uh, so thank you for thank you for saying so. It's my mm. first pride out, and that's fun. <laughs> Welcome out. Thank you. Get the get the flag next because the flags are I have always the, fun. I don't actually have the flag, but I did put a flag behind my Twitter icon. Okay, <laughs> that's that's kind of what it means. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, I have a question uh, relating to a pretty serious topic. Okay, so this is a content warning for homophobia. Okay. Uh, I was wondering about your thoughts on slurs in media. Uh, mm. This specifically relates to the recent Kendrick Lamar song "Auntie Dearies." I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, where he details the experience of his family members coming out as trans, specifically his uncle and his cousin. Uh, my friends asked me for uh, my thoughts on his song, which I was eager to answer, as I have made clear as a pansexual person that I'm always open to any questions in my very straight friend group. The song clearly has very pure intentions, yet contains heavy usage of the F slur. Mm-hmm. Uh, he relates a straight person using the word to a white person using the N word, but he still uses it often. Uh, it is com- a complicated song, but I really don't know what I thought of it. I understand it may be difficult for a question for you to answer, as you have not heard the song itself. Yeah. Uh, but what are your thoughts on straight filmmakers and artists using slurs like this? It is for the sake of accuracy or to help uh, point with good intentions. Mm-hmm. Is it only an issue with the homophobic slurs, of course, but also with the racist ones as well? Yeah. Uh, I know you are both white, but if you want to yeah. weave in your thoughts on that, uh, that as well, please do. Sorry for this long, rambly letter, and thank you for so much of the great podcast you provide. I have st- had to start to travel for work again, and with the mask mandates on airplanes going away, my general fear of flying, and my general fear of flying, yeah. it can be a stressful experience that you help distract me from. Well, thank you Max. for that. Um, thank you for that, and I know the feeling well. I get very stressed out for uh, for any kind of large amount of travel. Mm-hmm. I had to go on an airplane for the first time when I went on vacation earlier this year, first vacation in many years, and uh, yeah, masks were, it was right after they lifted the mask mandate, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh shit, like literally like days after they lifted the mask mandate, we were going on an airplane, and I was like, no, I'm going to feel so unsafe, and it seemed to have worked out, but um, in any case, mm-hmm. I, I understand. Um, again, we haven't heard this Kendrick Lamar song. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we cannot speak to this in particular. Um, All we can do is kind of discuss the general principle. And the general principle is um, if it's not your lane, mm-hmm. tread lightly. You need to be very, very careful you're not yeah, doing yeah. something uh, the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And you, there's a really decent chance it's probably um, not in your purview. And maybe you need to be very, very careful. I've... I've uh... I'll just drop this bomb in here. I do work for Quentin Tarantino. Right. I can't comment on his films and or what he does. Uh, that's just that's out of my lane. Um, but I know he is a notorious example. I yes. Know, uh, I can say this for a fact because this is just plain facts. Um, Quentin Tarantino and Spike Lee have come to blows. Yeah. Over. Uh, Tarantino's use of racial slurs in his movies. I believe that actually happened while he was doing a cameo in Spike Lee's film Girl Six. Mm-hmm. They had had uh, some sort of. Uh, onset argument or conflict or yeah, something so, that's some, rather rather well documented. Yeah, some, some I, I don't kerfuffle. know the details, that's, that's, but yeah, that's a, a matter of record. Yeah, uh, and I have seen other white filmmakers mm-hmm. employ uh, racist imagery. Yes, um, I'm, I'm very fond of a film called Forbidden Zone. It's mm. made by uh, Richard Elfman that has blackface imagery in it. Yeah, uh, it was made in 1980, and that was using uh, that sort of racist imagery from. Borrowing it from like racist uh, imagery from like 1930s cartoons, like right. Betty Boop kind of things, and in a movie like that, it's so wild and strange. It's being used as this weird sort of aesthetic commentary on how this mm-hmm. racist imagery is now just a big part of the grand tapestry of mainstream American entertainment. Mm-hmm. 
And when he's clearly doing it with a little bit of an eye to that, it's easier. It goes down easier. On the other hand. Uh, On the other hand, a lot of that kind of imagery is so shocking that Mm -hmm. it's difficult to get your head around no matter what the intent is. Yeah. So it's still it's still it's, potentially just an actually traumatizing mm. thing to witness, and it, it is so steeped in racism and negativity yeah. and so, actual uh, pain that even using it in a way where you're trying to do it in a thoughtful way or an mm. ironic way, uh, it's possibly doing more harm than good. Yeah. Uh, if there was a rather notorious incident in 1992, mm. even later yeah. with Ted Danson. Yep. <laughs> Look this one up. Yeah, look up Ted Danson doing. Uh, he was he was uh, dating Whoopi Goldberg at the time. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if he ran it by her or if she I put him up that. to hit or, or, or what was going on. I don't with know the details on that one. Uh, but yeah, he he appeared in public in in blackface yeah. and uh, just as a gag. Yep. And Bob Goldthwait got up on. I think it was for a roast or something. It was like some it was, sort of. It was like a thing. press thing. I think it was a press release. Yeah. I don't, I don't uh, but know, I know. I, I know. Yeah. Bob Goldthwait. There was an audience there yeah. at the time. Bob Goldthwait was also there. Another comedian yeah. friend of Whoopi Goldberg's, and he got up on the podium. He's like, "It's 1992, you asshole!" <laughs> like it was called out immediately. Yeah. by Bob Goldthwait. Well, it probably should have been. Um, uh, yeah, but a, a lot of this kind of came crashing down uh, mm-hmm. in my brain when I saw Spike Lee's film Bamboozled. Ah. Yeah, uh, which is about this very thing about yeah. this use of racist language and imagery as being a very natural and relaxed part of a lot of early entertainment mm-hmm. or early just all entertainment. Yeah. in in the United States. Yeah, and the, the joke of that movie is if we were to bring it back, that surely that would be outrageous. No one would accept that anymore. Mm-hmm. It would be part of the, the lexicon again, and, and uh, the, the main character is played by um, Damon, Wayans? Damon Wayans. I think it's Damon Wayans. Yeah. Uh, He's trying to get fu- he's like an exec a TV executive he's trying to get fired so he creates yeah, it's like Spike like, Lee's the producer so he creates yeah. the most racist thing he could possibly come up with because he's tired of the way black characters are treated on television mm-hmm. and of course it's a hit in, yeah. in in the universe of this movie yeah uh, and I think, and I think and a lot the, of a lot of really racist traditions and storytelling mm-hmm. uh, some more direct than others have filtered down into what we have today and we don't even mm. really think about their origins, just like a lot of words that uh, people use have mm. r- racist or otherwise ugly origins and we don't necessarily think about them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so basically what it boils down to is um, you're playing with fire when you even attempt to engage with that, mm. especially if it's not your place to use those terms because they're not used against you. Yeah. Uh, and as a result, you need to be, if you, if you try, you, you realize that you're opening yourself up to, uh, potentially doing a really bad job because you you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, that said, I think, um, I haven't heard Kendrick Lamar. I've heard a a lot of music and media, however, that uses a lot of very casual racist Mm -hmm. and homophobic language. The way friends do with one another, mm-hmm. uh, which is to say, not necessarily appropriately, uh, not, but it does not, happen. Not appropriately. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, I've I've been in in queer spaces where mm-hmm. a lot of uh, queer slurs are just sort of thrown about mm-hmm. very casually. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say any of the words, no. but uh, when you start putting that sort of experience on film, that's a little bit more uh, genuine, and I would hope that an audience seeing that would understand that. 
that this is uh, that we're getting sort of a, a peek into mm. this sort of insular community that they might yeah. not be a part of. Assuming it's done accurately and well, of course. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The, the, this is all g- giving the use of it uh, benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Uh, the problem is people might hear that and think, oh, that's something I can use. That are part yeah, of that community. You don't you don't want to get fall into that There trap. is a really excellent film called Dope uh, about uh, young black kids in Inglewood uh, who are nerds for... Ni- it takes place in the present, but they're nerds for like 90s stuff. So uh, they have like the, the tall flat top hairdos that are not uh, fashionable mm-hmm. anymore and they listen right. to like 90s hip hop. It's by uh, Rick uh, Fayuma and... They have uh, an an older white friend, and he asks them, "Hey, I like I listen to the same music you do, and a lot of the music that you guys listen to has this racist language in it. How come I can't use it?" And they say, "You're white. You just can't." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, here, let me let me do some. And he actually like he raps for a little bit, and then he says a few racial slurs, and they just slap him in the face. Yeah. It's like, hey, why'd you do that? I'm sorry, it just happened. <laughs> It's like, well, let me try again. And he does it again and he says it again. And they slap him again. Oh, sorry. Jeez. I, yeah, you, you say it. I just want to slap your fucking face. <laughs> so yeah. that that's sort of like playfully addressing it. It's like, you just yeah. don't get to say that around us. That's yeah, not know. okay. So, um, so yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big conversation. And yeah, listen, we're two white guys. We're not necessarily uh, the best people to have that conversation, especially when it comes to... Uh, you know those contexts, um, and and again, it's not necessarily again we haven't heard the Kendrick Lamar song, mm. so we're not even going to pretend to be able to say we can speak to that specific one. Uh, but uh, it is a difficult issue, and it can, it's it's man. Hmm. My my advice is just generally don't. <laughs> but uh, again, it, it, hmm. I'm not saying no one's ever done it and and done it in in a way that was yeah, like kind of thoughtful and appropriate. Uh, maybe they're dealing with a historical subject where hmm. it's accurate because they're well, racists yeah. in the movie. But like, regardless, hmm. it's generally not a good idea to, to yeah, give that a try. And, and you yeah. know, and this might also stem from the uh, the ongoing conversation we have about um, mm. depiction versus advocacy. Yes. How uh, if, if people include uh, offensive language in their movies, then it must be kind of a cool thing to do. And people <sighs> yeah. will listen to that and think, oh, that's You run the a, risk of normalizing language. it. Yeah, yeah it, you run the it risk. Becomes no- exactly. It's normalized yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so uh, a lot of people have been incredibly careful about it it's yeah. not, not bandied about um there is a montage in the film the celluloid closet oh, yeah. do- 1995 documentary about the history of queer characters in cinema up to that point and there's this really damning montage where they use homophobic slurs in a montage yeah, basically a every movie that not, not every yeah. but all the movies that they could find mm-hmm. where someone said some kind of homophobic slur uh, and they just use them all in a row and when you like, realize that like how this is this is not was. an isolated thing that happened like twice this is yeah, like this is like five or six if movies, you watched like movies movie. in the 80s or the 70s mm-hmm. or the 90s uh you were probably given this as a you probably shown this as a casual form of behavior where it wasn't called out hmm. a lot yeah and that has an impact and yeah that's important conversation to have. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting yeah. for the cellular closet too yeah that that first one was made in 1995 and yeah i, feel well, like I think we're overdue yeah overdue for an update on that agreed uh one more letter yeah let's do one uh, more uh here's a letter from eric hello eric um gentle beings in your recent coverage of The Legends of the Superheroes, yes. <laughs> which is a, a live-action live superhero, action superhero TV, TV special TV from the 1970s, yeah. which are awful. Uh, you asked if there was anyone listening who saw it live. I was 12 years old. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> when it debuted and a huge comic book fan at the time there was not shall we say an overabundance of superhero movies and tv shows and i thought it was my job to watch whatever <laughs> properties made it to air no matter the quality i, I watched every episode well. of shazam mm-hmm. uh, isis the cop show style spider-man the chevy van driving captain america and even the and even kiss meets the phantom of the park oh my god because they once appeared in a comic book uh, when I found out my beloved Adam West and Burt Ward were returning to prime time, my friends and I were elated. However, following the first episode, reactions were mixed. An emergency meeting was held on the playground <laughs> before school the next morning. I'm sorry. That makes me so happy. That makes me so okay. happy. You guys, oh you guys, we got to talk about this. this is, get to school early tomorrow because this is important. It's like one guy in denial in the back. Like, no, what if it was maybe it was kind of okay, right? Emergency <laughs> meeting was held on the playground before school the next morning. Was it good or possibly bad? We needed a quorum. <laughs> it was decided that the action was lacking. Paddle boats? Fucking paddle boats? <laughs> the characterizations were off and or non-existent. I'm looking at you, Black Canary and Huntress. I was... I was 12 boy oh boy was i looking at black canary and Huntress. i digress yeah. uh but for the for the time the costumes and makeup were mostly fantastic uh some of the i like the solomon grundy makeup yeah, they were, they, cool they were hit and miss but the hits were pretty good uh, more so the villains uh howard morris looks like he walked out of shazam mm-hmm. charlie callis was born to play sinestro solomon <laughs> i don't know if i agree with that but that's that's hilarious. Charlie Callis was born to play. I want that on a t-shirt. Charlie Callis was, was born, born to, to play, play Sinestro. Sinestro. I just want a picture of Charlie Callis and like, oh my like, god, not, not as Sinestro, just like a, 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 <laughs> just a, a, just a Charlie, Charlie Callis. <laughs> uh, Solomon Grundy is amazing, and Jeff Altman's weather wizard is well green. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Some friends were so disappointed they pledged not to watch part two blasphemy to my ears. Like I said, it was my job to watch these shows, and I did. The oh. roast was confounding. I was pretty ignorant back then, but I knew Ghetto Man was not cool. Yeah. Retired Man made me sad, and Black Canary and Huntress did not get enough screen time for this 12 year old. Again, I digress. In short, even back then, we knew it was crap. <laughs> But it was all that we had. Yeah, I know that one. Uh, that said, I must take you to task for another matter. Oh, dear. Uh, this, uh, take us to task. We, we appreciate mm. this. In a recent episode of Cancel Too Soon, you expressed disappointed that uh, Father Unwin's fever dream of Africa was as sensitive as you'd see in King Kong and that a character is a little racist. Uh, in so much that Father Unwin never expresses any racist language, and ultimately his goal is to communicate with the natives to give them medical supplies, I would argue that the kindly pastor is simply ignorant of what Ag- Africa was really like, mm. and his subconscious was filling in details from watching King Kong. Uh, uh, the co- the context of the episode was uh, those characters he, appeared in a dream. Yeah, he he had like heat stroke, and he had a dream where mm. he was on a mission in Africa, and there were some uh, very... Uh, uh, cliched and insensitive depictions of uh, black people in an African tribe, not unlike what you might see in the movie King Kong. And I am certain Mm -hmm. that the makers of the show probably justified it to themselves in a similar way. It's all in his head. This is what Mm -hmm. he thinks. However, and this is bringing back to what we discussed in the previous uh, uh, email, um, does depiction equal... uh, uh, I said said advocacy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the thing is, is that if it's indistinguishable, it's irrelevant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, if the is does the show believe this, or does it, or is it simply in Father Unwin's head? It would be the same either way. Yeah. yeah Ergo, well, probably not a healthy depiction. Not challenged in any way. Not probably. It just isn't a healthy depiction. It isn't challenged in any way. Um, whether or not Father Unwin is virulently racist uh, is not necessarily 
not necessarily supported by the text, but he certainly has racist ideas in his head, and the showrunners thought uh, there was no problem in depicting yeah. it. Well, uh, the, the, yeah. the letter concludes with, that said, I have no defense for the writers and the directors of the episode. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. So, so there fa- you go. Father Unwin, okay, you have an excuse. Yeah, you're, just an, old, you're wrote, just an old guy. Yeah. The people who wrote that episode, you have no excuse. Exactly, yeah. That's yeah, uh, critically yours, there. Eric. Uh, thank so you, thanks Eric. for writing in, Eric. Thank you, writing in, Eric. Thank, thank you, writing in, Eric. Thank you for writing in, Eric. Mm-hmm. You're awesome. Um, yeah, thank you, everybody, for writing in. This has been a very, very interesting episode of We've mm-hmm. Got Mail, and we're very grateful to you. Uh, <laughs> big topics. And, 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 we, and we got a lot of letters this week, so yeah. I apologize for skipping yours. There are some yeah, we also, we also missed really, last week, so we're yeah, a little so backed we, up. We have, so we have... Uh, Keep sending in your letters. I'll get yeah. to some of. I do go back and read some of the old ones sometimes. Yeah. And so. if there's any, and again, if there's ever anything timely, feel free to give us a nudge on social media. We're both on Twitter. The show is at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. At Whitney Seibel. Especially Whit- Whitney is our letter curator, so in particular nudge him. But like, yeah, if anything's ever timely or super important, it needs to be spoken of right away. Please let us know. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you want to write into a future episode, you're more than welcome to. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Uh, and while you are under no obligation to send us like these fun prize packs, oh, if you would just I'm like to send us, Jeez, if you would just you. like to send us a letter and hear the paper crinkle on camera and hear us react to your handwriting uh, ca- on camera, camera, that's audio camera on our audio camera that you can listen to with <laughs> your ears and not your eyes that records the yeah. uh, the, the sights that yeah you register with other Look, parts. Other it parts is twelve nineteen a.m. and I am tired. Uh, if you would like to hear your letter opened and stuff and you would like that you would like that we have a p.o box we need what is our p.o yeah, box send it to the critically acclaimed network p.o box 641565 los angeles california 90064 yep and again the email address is letters at critically acclaimed.net uh very special thank you to all of our patrons over patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network uh we mentioned some of our shows that we have over there this week we also have ad free versions of all of our free shows for just one dollar a month you get those um we have our episodes about Legends of the Superheroes. We've got our Star Trek stuff. We've got commentary tracks, and we do trivia nights. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on over there. So thank you, everybody, for supporting the show. Thank you to everybody in particular who wrote in this week. Uh, and that is it. Mm-hmm. Sincerely yours, Bibbs and Whitney. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.